You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Kids, I want to just dismiss you. Uh, If you're in grades kindergarten to five, you can head on out to your time uh, of kids' church. Uh, Parents, if you're you're new, uh, feel free to follow your kids so you you, you know where they're going, but they can go through the doors there uh, in the uh, gym uh, today. And so you can head on down to your time of kids' church. Thanks for being with us. I want to invite up a friend of mine. His name is Levi Simpson. Uh, Let's give a round of applause even before he starts. I mean, look at that. If the sermon goes off the rails this morning, we've already clapped for him. So, you know. I will hang on to that. I will hang on to that. But I don't even need, need to say that because I know that uh, Levi is someone who is following Jesus and he, he wants to lead us in that and, and he lives a life that honors the Lord. And so Levi is a friend of mine. He is also uh, the director of spiritual care at Kelowna's Gospel Mission. Levi, great to have you here as you lead us in the last sermon of our summer series. Uh, and so I'm going to turn it over to you. But thanks for being here. I I'm excited. It. Thank you, Keith. Good morning, Mission Creek Alliance. Uh, It is a joy to be back here with you this morning. I've preached here a couple of times, so some of you might remember me. I might be a new face to others. Uh, In case you missed me last time, like he said, my name is Levi. I'm the Director of Spiritual Care at Kelowna's Gospel Mission, and it has been a busy couple of weeks at the mission. Uh, We've been doing what we can to help those on the streets who couldn't escape the smoke. Uh, If it was bad in your house, you can imagine how how bad it was on the street for those people who couldn't escape it. We uh, had a good number of people who were made homeless uh, by way of evacuations with those fires as well, and so we were doing our best to provide food and blankets at Prospera before the Red Cross came in. That was a real honor to be a part of that as well. And now we are looking forward to our annual golf tournament this Friday. Now, I have not been a part of this before. I have not been a part of golf before, and I... I am going to slow my team down. I am giving it my best shot this coming Friday. Uh, But if you are interested in golfing and uh, golfing for a good cause, raising money for Kelowna's Gospel Mission, I've got some flyers out there. There's a screen uh, slide right there, which is perfect. Thank you. Um, It's going to be fantastic. If you're not signed up already, I'd I'd give it a shot. I'm giving it a shot. You can't be worse than me. You really can't actually be worse than me. In the midst of all that, as Keith said, my role at the mission is to sit and to listen to the men and women who stay with us uh, and to watch for where God is at work, pointing out where I see it and hopefully offering some hope. And watching, watching is actually what I want to talk about today. But before we get into the message, uh, let me pray. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, this morning, would you look upon us and smile? God, I ask that you would bless the work that I've put into this message, that it would land in the hearts of those that need to hear it. Jesus, would you challenge us? Would you encourage us? Would you give us ears to hear, we pray? Amen. Amen. So I understand uh, this summer you've been looking at the rhythms of summer and exploring how they can feed your faith. I already mentioned I uh, want to talk to people, I want to talk to you guys about watching And that in itself is a summer rhythm for many people at the beach, people watching, uh, watching the sunset, watching your grass slowly turn brown, (laughs) 
Okanagan pastime. But the kind of watching that I want to talk about is at once way cooler than this and exponentially more nerdy. I want to talk to you about bird watching this morning. Bird watching. Now, I know that many of you uh, understand bird watching. You're in the know, you're hip, you're down. All the cool people are doing this. But if you'd allow me to paint a picture for those few people in the room who don't engage in the pastime, there is nothing, in my opinion, quite as sublime as bird watching. So we live in this world that is more and more of our own making, right? We've got, uh, we build our roads, we build our sidewalks, we build buildings and parking lots, and as our lives take place more and more within this space, as the natural world is pushed more and more to the periphery around us, uh, the natural world just kind of fades away. At the same time, the speed of life is increasing, and so we might feel more disconnected, we might feel dragged along by the pace of the world around us, and it would take a small miracle to snap anyone out of that malaise. But I contend that is precisely what a bird is, a small miracle that can snap our heads back and snap us out of things. Even in the midst of our pavement and asphalt and nine-to-fives and busy schedules, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but the air teems with birds. The forests teem with birds. There are just over 310 different species of bird in the Okanagan alone. First bird fact, prepare for more. There are 300 and different species of bird in the Okanagan just waiting to be seen by you if you are willing and able to look. And lest you think bird watching sounds boring, which I know most of you don't because you know the lifestyle, I can assure you it is not. And neither is it a passive activity for all the standing or squatting uh, with binoculars pressed to your face that goes on. My wife is going through our photo album right now deleting all the pictures uh, that we don't need, and there's a lot of pictures of me, excuse me, I'll assume the position, sitting like this, staring into the middle distance, because I saw something, all right? But bird watching drives you out. It drives you out of your home, it drives you out into the world. You are ever exploring, you are ever rediscovering old spots and hunting for new ones, but when you do pause, and when you do wait and watch, those moments are filled with expectancy. The flicker out of the corner of your eye becomes filled with possibility. Birdsong becomes an invitation to watch for movement. That shape out on the water, a mystery waiting to be solved. That silhouette that makes your breath catch. And all of a sudden, that brilliant animal that we so plainly and boringly call a bird becomes something like a Western tanager or an American avocet or maybe just a tired, old, barred owl looking for some crayfish or contemplating its own mortality. That's what I like to do. I came across that in Vancouver. I saw a Clark's Nutcracker at my brother-in-law's place yesterday. I've never seen one in the city before, but there it was. All birdwatching asks is for you to pay 
attention. Now, I like poetry as well, and I love a poet named Mary Oliver because she's a woman who loves the natural world, and when she wrote in one of her poems, to pay attention, this is our endless and proper work. I've always loved that. And in her last book of essays, she followed that thought up by saying that attention is the beginning of devotion. So perhaps it should come as no surprise that in the Gospels, watching and seeing is a theme of great importance. In the opening chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 36 to 39, we're told that when he, when John saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, there is the Lamb of God. In that moment, he caught a flash of the divine in the corner of his eye, the silhouette of something remarkable, and in that moment, he invited others to look with him. And when his disciples went and followed after Jesus, wondering where he's going and what he's up to, Jesus replies, come and see. This attention, this seeing, will be the beginning of their devotion that's mapped out through the rest of the gospel. And what do they and what do the followers of Jesus see over the course of Jesus' ministry? They see Jesus doing things that Isaiah said only God would do when he came back. The blind would see, the deaf would hear, the lame would walk. Those captive to sin and death would be set free. The gospel writers love telling stories of Jesus giving sight to the blind. It's one of their favorite miracle stories to relate. In fact, Mark has this whole section from the beginning of chapter 8 to the end of chapter 10 where Jesus is talking about what discipleship looks like. He spent the first half of the gospel performing miracles. Now the next half of the gospel, he is talking about what discipleship looks like. And that section kicks off with the story of a blind man who can't quite see clearly when Jesus heals him, so Jesus has to heal him again. And that, story, that section ends with Jesus healing a blind man who sees instantly because they have paid attention to Jesus and Jesus has opened their eyes to what the kingdom of God looks like. This is that section that talks about uh, how uh, those who are like children before God, uh, the kingdom of God belongs to them the first being last, about the need to care for the poor. This whole section is bracketed by people who are blind coming to see because Jesus' words open their eyes. The point is clear. The more we pay attention to Jesus, the more we set our eyes on him, the clearer our sight becomes. And even with all his miracles and teaching, as far as Mark is concerned, the only way we can truly know Jesus is if we understand Jesus as crucified for us. All through the gospel, people readily identify Jesus as Messiah. When Jesus asks Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter says, well, you are the Messiah. But what happens when Jesus says, and I must die? We realize that Peter sees things kind of clearly, but not so clearly yet. Because as far as Mark is concerned, if all you know is the power of Jesus through miracles, you don't know Jesus yet. If you want to understand who Jesus is, you need to understand Jesus Christ crucified. And so 
the only time and the first time anyone in the Gospel of Mark recognizes Jesus as more than the Messiah is when the centurion stands at the foot of the cross, note the place, the centurion stands at the foot of the cross looking up at Jesus as he breathes his last and he says, surely this man was the son of God. Now he sees. Jesus is set out clear before us in the Gospels today. It is a gift that we have, that we have the story of Jesus four times over, and letters back and forth from the church wrestling with who Jesus was and what that means for us in our lives. That is a gift that we have as the church today. And yet he's also with us in a more important way than simply on the page. He tells his disciples in Matthew that he will be with them, he will be with us to the very end of the age. He is with us even now. And so we have to keep an eye out for him, for evidence of his redemptive work in the world. The letter we call Hebrews tells us that we have to be on our toes when we encounter a stranger, as we might be entertaining angels unaware. But Matthew, Jesus himself actually ups the ante there and says that when we feed the hungry, when we give the thirsty something to drink, when we invite the stranger in or give clothes to those that need them, when we visit the sick or those in prison, whenever we do these things, we do it actually for him. We're told even to watch for his return because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. I talk to many people uh, who are fascinated by the discussion around end times and quickly point out that we are living in the end times. I would I usually point out that for the last 2,000 years, everyone has thought we've been living in the end times, and that is actually the correct posture to hold. We are living in a time of expectancy because one day Jesus will return. The thing we miss is that we think it's going to be something easy. We read the signs, oh, there's forest fires, there's this happening in the world, there's this happening, Jesus is coming soon. And yet we're told Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. And so we're called to pay attention and be aware and look for him. The Christian life is a life marked by waiting and watching with a sense of expectancy, like a bird watcher crouching in the, in the forest, having just seen a flicker of movement out of their eye, knowing something is there, if I can just have the patience to look and to wait with wonder. If we don't stop and take the time to look for Jesus, we are liable to be like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They are blind to Jesus completely blind to him as he walks right with them. They're blind to him until, as Jesus is prone to do throughout the Gospels, Jesus opens their eyes, and ah, they see him now, and just like that, he's gone. If attention is the beginning of devotion, like Mary Oliver says, then we should take the advice of another woman, Barbara Brown Taylor, an Episcopal priest, who describes the Christian life as one where we are detectives of divinity. 
Now, a detective works. A detective discerns. A detective pursues. And this isn't always easy work either. I already mentioned the pace of life and our feelings of disconnectedness that can often occur, the everydayness of life that can often lead to distraction rather than attention, but a lack of attention, an unwillingness to watch and look for Christ at work in the world and at work in us, hobbles our ability to be encouraged by Christ and to grow up in him before God. So, thanks be to God that Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. I have my own little miracle story here that I think fits this theme quite nicely. I was not a convert to bird watching by choice. I know, it's high on the list of activities for children to pick up, but I wasn't swayed by those arguments. No, I didn't choose this thing. When I was a child, naive to the feathered mysteries of the world, my eyes were opened when one fall day in the 80s in Edmonton, I looked out my window and there sitting in the tree in our front yard was a parakeet. For those of you who don't know, that is not supposed to be there. <laughs> that is not supposed to be there. This thing was a miracle, it was a revelation, it was the unexpected made manifest. And suddenly the world was full of possibility. Now I started liking birds, but my dad, my dad saw way more birds than I did, and so I was always a little bit defeated that I was so far behind, until when we were living uh, in the Belgo area, I looked out on our grass and there was a whole bunch of varied thrushes, which my dad had not yet seen before. And all of a sudden, well, this doesn't make my spiritual point, but all of a sudden I was winning. <laughs> and I was hooked. And my dad and I became partners in crime, paying attention to the world around us, seeing what was flying about or hopping on the ground or flitting through the trees. Suddenly, like I said, the world was full of possibility. Birds were everywhere. And like the disciples on the Emmaus Road or the centurion at the foot of the cross, I was blind, but then I saw. I mentioned that bird watching comes with this sense of expectancy. Even with more than 300 different kinds of birds in the Okanagan, it's easy at first glance to think that the only ones around are magpies or robins or seagulls and sparrows. But did you know that there are 15 different kinds of seagull that you can see in Kelowna? Or that there are 20 different kinds of sparrows? If you've ever seen a Bonaparte's gull, a Bonaparte's gull is a striking bird and very different than any seagull you might see normally in a parking lot in the mall. And personally, I love the white-crowned sparrow. It just looks so darn cute. I love it. And here's the thing. 
When we start paying attention to Jesus at work in the world, when we start paying attention to Jesus at work in our own life, we might feel like all we can see are mundane things, but there is beauty there too. And the more disciplined you are in the watching, the more patient you are in the waiting, the more you grow up in this activity of watching for Jesus at work in the world, the more you realize there are more than magpies and robins and seagulls and sparrows in your life. Your life is teeming with the work of God. Like the birds, Jesus is always with us. There's this old prayer that I've always loved. Uh, We call it St. Patrick's Breastplate. Uh, We call it that because it's a prayer that he covered himself with when he began his journey to preach to an Irish king who he was pretty certain was going to kill him. It's a long prayer, but there's a stretch where he prays, uh, where, where where I feel like what he prays is a call for us to remember the ever-present Jesus in our midst. This is what he prays. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right and on my left. Christ when I lie down. Christ when I sit down. Christ when I arise. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. He is everywhere. And the more you listen to that invitation to come and see, the more you'll find him. And the more you see him at work, In you and in the world, the more you'll want to join in on what Jesus is doing. And the great gift of seeing and participation comes not from us, but from Jesus himself who died for us. Who died so that we might live, who hung on the cross so that we might see. Before we end our morning together, I want to leave you with three challenges. We're on the eve of another school year. I know for those of you who are out of that rhythm, it's just another Sunday. But I know for those of you who are still in the rhythm of school, this weekend or next, your kid's world is going to change again. It's going to be a whole new rhythm adopted. Two weeks after that change happens, everyone's kids are going to crash. We are gearing up for an adoption of new behaviors and rhythms, and the new year starts again, kind of. I've always felt, I've I've got kids. The new year is September, as far as I'm concerned. January is just a break between the world, the, the year that already started in September. So I want to challenge you to three kinds of watching as we shift into this new rhythm. The first is reflective. I want you to ask yourself, where has Jesus been with me in my walk this past year? This kind of watching is a looking back, but I want you to do it with a sense of expectancy. We actually did this uh, by Keith's own leading. Uh, Before we started the service, the worship team, Keith and myself and everyone else who's involved, sat down and actually answered this question, where have we seen Jesus at work in the last few days? And it was really, really lovely. 
Here's my answer. I see Jesus at work in the lives of my kids. I've got three girls. And I see Jesus in their delight that they have for creation. Um, if you know the book of Proverbs at all, you'll know that wisdom is described as a young woman. And at different points, wisdom, when she herself is talking, wisdom describes herself as being at play in creation. So forget the Western idea, sorry to all the people with silver hair in the room, forget the idea of wisdom belonging to the aged and the bald and bearded. Put that to the side for a second and pick up this Jewish picture that wisdom looks like a young woman at play in creation. We're called to be wise. We are called to be at play in God's creation. I love that image. So as you're looking back over the last three months, expect to see Jesus in the summer that was. Pay attention to the everyday things like kids at play, like lunch being made, like the rhythms of life going as they do. Don't be blind to Jesus at work even there. Depending on your summer, you may have to be patient, but Jesus is there. He always has been. The second is looking forward. It's about making a plan. I want you to ask yourself, how can I create space to watch and wait on God as the summer comes to a close? Keith mentioned leaning into being a follower of Jesus as this new season begins. That takes some intention. Things are about to get busy for many of you, and perhaps watching is going to take some work now in a way that it didn't over the summer. Those things that Keith mentioned, those four different paths for you to take here uh, at MCA, those are ways to open your eyes to where Jesus might be at work. Those are places where you can learn how to see even clearer. So how will you be a detective of divinity if Jesus has opened your eyes? And finally, since we're talking about birds, go and buy a pair of binoculars and start bird watching, for real. Did you know that there are over 180 different species of birds that have been spotted in Mission Creek Park alone? That is a hop, skip, and a jump over that way. You could pop by and see 15 of them without even trying if you just pause and wait. Anybody here know where Munson Pond is? Yes, Munson Pond, there are over 200, I think it's 30, 230 different species of birds in Munson Pond. Beaver Lake Road out in uh, Lake Country there. Beaver Lake Road, believe it or not, is an international birding destination. Anybody here driven on Beaver Lake Road? People take holidays to come to Beaver Lake Road to see what they can see. It's not a great road for the first stretch. It gets prettier as you go. But I would encourage you, there is a world of wonder and beauty just two minutes down the road. This wood duck, this wood duck lives in Mission Creek. There has been a family of wood ducks there for as long as I can remember. They're hard to spot because they're shy. But look at that thing. That's a pretty great duck. I hope I'm winning some of you over. <laughs> Here's why I recommend it. 
Here's why I recommend it. I recommend it, honest to goodness, scout's honor, as a spiritual discipline. I recommend it as practice for a life of waiting and for watching Jesus. One of my professors when I was in grad school, uh, as we were all energized to try and be as Christian as we possibly could, picking and choosing the most spiritual-sounding spiritual disciplines, chastised all of us to say, if creation is the Lord's and everything in it, then everything involved in your life can and should be a spiritual discipline. It's very hard to pray, he said, if you're not getting enough sleep. So let's start with sleep, uh, exercise, and food. And once you've got those things nailed, move on to something a bit more intermediate. I would recommend birdwatching as a fabulous introductory spiritual discipline that contributes to the exercise piece as well. Mission Creek Alliance, uh, thank you for having me this morning. Uh, it's been a joy. I invite the worst team up, um, and I would like to pray uh, as we close, and I have a benediction after we worship together for one last song. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for how you have opened our eyes. Father, you did it when we weren't even expecting it or looking for it, but you came and you gave us sight. Father, we thank you for how you are constantly at work in the world. God, we're humbled by your invitation to participate with you in the work that you're doing in the world. And God, we love that your plan doesn't hinge on us, but you have the thing in hand that our participation with you in what you're doing is only for our sake, to grow us up more in you, that we can be delighted, and in our delight, watch and wait for you even more. Father, as we head into this new season, would you energize us? Would you open our eyes? Would you give us eyes to see? We pray in your name. Amen.